everyone, welcome to LaVille. Thank you for joining in today. It is June 9 and today we will be presenting our third episode titled Living in the Village, the Unshared Experience. Before starting, I would like to provide a little bit of background information about myself. My name is Claudia and I am currently finishing an undergraduate degree in business and society while doing a professional certificate in public administration and law. I am the Chief Communications Officer of YVHA and I also represent international students. Hey there, my name is Javier de los Santos and I'm currently pursuing a Bachelor of Commerce specialized in finance at York. I'm the Chief Financial Officer of YVHA and as well a representative of international students. For those of you who couldn't listen to the previous podcast, last week our colleagues Nati Samisa and Andrew Bans spoke to Bria Hamilton and Sarah Levi from the Affordable Housing Committee. They discussed common issues with student housing at York University and multi-tenant housing in the village, the difference between the two and the spillover effects one can have on the other. For today's podcast, we will be joined by an array of villagers and fellow villagers and we will talk about those common issues previously identified, primarily affordability, forced evictions, and COVID-19. Before we get into any detail, we would like to recognize our sponsors who make all of this possible. This podcast is part of Professors Luisa Sotomayor's Student Dwell TO Research Partnership with the Faculty of Environmental Studies at York University. This podcast is also supported by a Connections Grant awarded by the Social Sciences and Humanities Research Council of Canada. As well, Research at York program in York University supports this podcast. If you're interested in checking it out, please visit Experience York for more information. Once again, we thank all of you for giving us the chance to be here today and for making this possible. Without further ado, let's jump into our topic of the day, living in the village, the unshared experience. So once again, welcome to La Ville. Thank you all for joining us today. Let's first welcome our special guests, Raikia, Somto, Brianna, and Emmanuel. And of course, our founder and co-founder, Andrew Vance and Nati Samiza. How are you all doing today? I'm good. <laughs> I'm doing good. Here. That's great to hear. That's great to hear. So actually, why don't we start with my colleague here, Claudia. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your experience in the village. So hi, everyone. My name is Claudia Ridolo. I used to live in the village during my second year of university. And although my experience was relatively decent, I didn't feel safe walking around the streets as a woman. Moreover, I witnessed a lot of incidents that clearly signal towards issues that have to be addressed. My colleague Javier, on the other hand, he has had so many horrible experiences that he will share with you now. So yeah, um, as Claudia was saying, it is true that I've had some rough experiences in the village. Um, I've been in houses where cockroaches was normal, bed bugs was a thing. Landowners don't even care about their properties. You know, I've had landowners who they include so many things in the contract, washer, dryer, dishwasher. And truthfully, none of that works when you get to the house. They don't even care about fixing it or not. They don't care about what you do in the house or not. And I mean, those are things that affect us all. And I went through all of those. Like I've had to move my place a couple times. Trust me. Not as much as Andrew, we all know that. <laughs> He's the one who's had the 
toughest experiences. But but yeah, definitely I've had to move like three or four times and it's not pleasant for anybody. We're just trying to help everybody. Um, would anybody like to volunteer, introduce themselves a little bit about their experience in the village? So I was actually never even a student with uh, York University. The only reason I ever moved to the village was to get out of another household I was living in. So I lived in the village from about June to December. And I just wanted to add on like the not feeling safe walking around in the streets at night. I worked at night, so I was often out at night. And it is not, a, it's just not a good scene to be out. As, I'm a teen too. Like I'm only 18. I moved into the village when I was 17. So like I turned 18 in January. So it's just working at night and being around the village wasn't good. And the landlords are horrible. <laughs> I totally relate. I didn't feel safe at all. And especially with all the news going on about incidents that happen in the village. I mean, how can we feel safe? Yeah. Would anybody else would like to talk a little bit about themselves? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I've been in the village for, uh, I think, almost three years. And I think the thing I find uncomfortable about the village is just not feeling safe to be honest because sometimes I come back late and I can't walk from the subway I have to like take over because I've had some incidents where like uh, someone would just be following in the car and if you don't listen to them they keep following you and I think that's really scary and also landlords I feel like some of them are just horrible or they actually don't listen to whatever problem you have in the house. So, so far, so good. Um, yeah, the feeling of not feeling safe is just one of the problems in York Village. And yeah, having to take an Uber all the time is... Yes, I have to. I'm just so scared. <laughs> it's better to take Uber. But then, um, you know, following up on that, I wanted to ask, like, we all know how the village is and everything, but... Can you, can some of you tell me why do you decided to move to the village? For me, because I couldn't find a place. <laughs> I had no other option. And my friend was like, uh, we were both looking for a place. This was the only place we could find a house. So that's the reason why I moved here, I would say. Yeah. And what do you think about the, the prices around the village and stuff? Like, do you think I it's think, affordable? Um, I think... For what we get, I feel um, we're paying more than we're getting, I'll say. Because we have, like, for example, in my house, we're, like, 11 of us. And it's just, I feel like we're just paying more. Because, like, I would, like, be paying, like, let's say, for example, 750 or 800 for a small room. And I'm sharing the house with, like, 11 people. So I would say um, they charge us more than we get. Yeah. Definitely. I saw once they were selling like a room for a thousand dollars and the house didn't even have a kitchen or a living room. And it's yeah, like, it's crazy. Leave without a kitchen. <laughs> I know. I've seen things like that too. They're like, oh, um, you can't cook in the house. So where am I meant to eat from? So yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, especially if you're an international student as well. And I, and I see that Brianna also has her hand up as well. About the affordable rent, that's the reason why I moved into the village. It was, I didn't want to be kind of anywhere near Jane and Finn, so I was coming from Jane and Wilson. So I, the only reason that I moved into the village wasn't even the rent, up, to be honest, because I could have afforded a bit more. But I had a housing worker that was through park which i think is like parkdale and recreation fund it's something that's actually in my neighborhood where i am now and they assigned me a housing worker because i'm part of a voluntary youth service agreement with the province i guess 
So it was literally, I was offered this room. It was this price. I had to sign these conditions or I have nowhere else to live. And I, I went to Humber. I was a dual credit student at Humber, traveling to work downtown and then to school at Humber, living at York University. And nothing, and to follow up as well, the dryer didn't work. Like they, and they don't fix anything. Like it may work when you move in, but if it breaks, you're SOL. And there, where is there a laundromat or anything remotely close to the village that would even help us like that? And what about with the COVID-19? Like, do you think the landlords are a little bit more lenient? Have they been harder on you? I know, like, even my landlord here, I've actually been one of the lucky ones that's able to pay because I'm an essential worker. So I'm only a month behind because I was working for the city. So that job got cut off when school went out because I'm a crossing guard. So I had to look for work. I got started working for UPS and I'm just catching myself up. But my landlords themselves um, have threatened eviction notices. I see eviction notices on the doors, like in hallways and stuff for people like families. I know families that live in my building that have eviction notices on their door because my landlords don't care. We're in arrears. I'm in arrears, but only by a month, so they can't do anything. But they're evicting people. They're sending emails out. They're raising our rent. I thought they it was raise our. I pay sixteen hundred for a bachelor in downtown Toronto, and they're raising it, like two. I think two point two percent because the legal limit is two point seven, and it's going up by forty dollars in like two months. And that's like, why are they bringing that up wow. during a pandemic? Wow. Yeah. It, it's something that I think like a lot of associations like the Parkdale Residents Associations or Parkdale Organized, you know, Housing Action Now, like a lot of, we'll say like housing justice and advocacy groups that are really, really the ones at the forefront of trying to make sure that landlords aren't getting too much power or who are trying to fight against things like Bill 184 um, that restricts like tenants' rights. Like that's, that's their main concern, right? It's not, it has nothing to do with like, you know, we want you know, to make sure tenants are are 100% safe and secure. They just want to make sure that living isn't like insanely precarious and that you have to worry about all of these things when we're already in a precarious situation defined by the COVID crisis, right? So it, it's it's a lot to hear that. And I think, you know, to touch on your experience in the village, Brianna, it's, it's also like really, really a lot to hear how landlords were treated and how actually you got to the village. That whole process, like the background in that, we, we had a similar response uh, in a consultation from an individual, an international student who was coming from China. They also had, like, wasn't a public agent, but a private agent send them to the village. And, and they had a very, very poor experience. They were sent to a specific landlord. And all of this was arranged while they were in China. So like, I'm really, really sorry to hear that. But I, 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 I'm, I'm hoping that there's, there's a way that we can move forward and pass that. And that's, you know, I'm hoping that we can all discuss that here. Just to touch up on that. Um, like when they also like found me the room and stuff, I was uh, working at Tim Hortons as a supervisor and I was like enrolled in high school at the time. I didn't even get to see the place that I was moving into just because due to the situation that I was in, they're just like, hey, here's the, they emailed me the lease. They're like, read this. This is what you have to abide by. I like signed it. I read it hard, but like, that's what I signed. And then my landlords were jerks. So. And that's generally, I think, yeah, one of the bigger issues, and Andrew spoke about it earlier too, is how there are non-standard leases, or are there are leases that really differ from what the province of Ontario is trying to make people do, or, or is recommending at least. But it's a very voluntaristic approach, like landlords don't have to use that lease. I think that's something that we're hoping to advocate for in the village too. Tomto, yeah. I have a question for you. Do you believe that the housing experience in the village is different for domestic students 
as opposed to international students, or you think it's the same? Um, it's definitely different. It's different because, and I'm just going to, okay, I'm going to also answer two questions, you one or two questions you stated before, and I'm going to tell you my reason for actually being here. I'm in the village based on school, like York University here, but, and I know the village is quite, the village is quite stressful, it's quite annoying, but um, like I, I've told Nati this before, um, it here kind of reminds me of home, which is part, part of the reason why I'm here, because like, there are, there are a lot of Nigerians and like, it's quite that, well, it's actually quite, I won't say diverse, but yeah, like a lot of my people are here, so it makes me feel like I'm home. But then in regards to the place, which is where, like, there's a lot of international students here, like already and international people, but then it's different. And I'm going to give an example. One time me and my friend were looking for, we're looking for houses, like this was like 20, like last year during summer. And like, I don't know if people know how, like when summer comes, it's so hard to find a house in the village if you've not already found a house in the village. And like, we went to a landlord, um, a China, uh, I think he was here, yeah, he was Chinese or Asian landlord. And me, um, my guy, my friend was looking for a house and like he asked us for a lot of things, like a lot of unnecessary things, like driver's license, Canadian ID, like he asked for his study permit, like his York stuff and all that. But long story short, we didn't end up getting the house and somebody else, Canadian citizen slash. I, I can't remember if it was an Asian girl or actually white girl, but the, the point is the person was not international and the person got the room. And we asked the person, like, if the person, just to be curious, I like, wanted to know, like, if or like how the person got the room before us, because like we were like there for a minute. And like basically, the person didn't have to bring the extra things the landlord asked us for. And we didn't want to read into like we're not going to at that point and we like we don't even really care about like reading into we just like found in our house but like like those are just like some of the small examples of how like for an international student is like it's just more stressful in these areas than like somebody that's already here. Fun fact: You asking me to get. A driver's license or a Canadian issued ID in this country. Obviously, it's harder for me to get a Canadian issued ID than somebody that's Canadian. Yeah, like I can totally relate with you in that yeah. situation. I had a house where they even rejected me because of that because I didn't have a Canadian ID, and I was like, "What? What am I gonna do just stay without a home because of that?" Yeah. You know. But touching up a little bit on what you were saying, so um, so you do believe that the village has some good things. Can you say <laughs> what are some of the good things and what are some of the bad things you find in the village okay um i will start with the bad to rakia fun fact um me and rakia we live in the same house so security is actually an issue and is it's sad but then like and alano does a good of an issue because like the cameras in the house are working the security cameras in the house are working like that's the, that's the good thing the kilos and everything so he does better than most but then like in general aspect, security is bad because even if obviously somebody, if we wanted to get, if we wanted to get robbed, we could actually get robbed quite easily. Like if somebody wanted to, that's one of the bad things. Security, there might be some security issues. Taking care of the house, yeah, like sometimes, like if the dryer or these things breaks, like they don't, they don't care as much. And like, yeah, when eleven people are congested in a house, you need to like, there's more reason for you to take care of it. But then like, the land, most landlords just do the opposite and just 
basically see us as just money and like cash cows instead of like customers and like you understand like people that are in your house are making use of your services one just one good thing personally for me the village has a weird family feeling and vibe to it because there are actually a lot of families and kids and parents who like the good thing is like times like this during summer now especially because like it's a community if you go outside like if you want to play sports if you want to do anything you get like there are people around you won't feel you won't feel, yeah you won't feel lonely lonely even if like you don't have any friends you can probably just go outside go on your walk you know like enjoy the environment Or Emmanuel, we haven't heard from either of you. If any of you would like to share your experience in the village with us? Oh, I can go first. Um, so I have lived in the village for like a full year, maybe like a year and a half. I started living in the village like directly out of res, like from my first year. Um, my experience was like. I feel like they've just been like learning experiences for me, which is why I like joined so abruptly because I wanted to hear like what other people were experiencing. But yeah, that's about it for my experience right now. So you haven't had any negative experience in the village, right? I have had a negative experience. I'm living through a negative experience, actually. <laughs> you mind sharing the details? Um, so I moved, like I subletted a room before I actually moved here. So from res, I went to my summer sublet to this space. So I moved here August of last year and, um, I had to move really, really quick due to like a bunch of, like I had to get out of my sublet and into somewhere else before the school year started. So I was looking for something very, very quick. Um, when I first came here, um, I was like rushed to sign my lease. I was rushed to give like my security deposit. Then when it was time for me to like come and view the room, um, the furniture was just like not, I couldn't even live in here unless I bought my own furniture. Like the bed was broken. Um, like the furniture was just like not it. So I actually had to like completely buy like all new furniture before I could even move in. And then as I started to like live here a little bit more, I noticed like the laundry was like coin operated, which I was not told. And I couldn't really do my laundry as much. The bathroom, it's actually shared with one other person, but the way the bathroom is set up, actually like anybody can walk up the stairs and use the bathroom. And it happens to be a very, um, like lively house so a bunch of people are always coming in and out so the bathroom is always like very disgusting same with the kitchen like it's always just like very gross like that's just been my experience here and um like yeah that's just about it to be honest like I can't really get into like all the deets but yeah 
I'm so sorry to hear about your experience. That's so bad. We had a similar experience, actually. We had to buy all of the furniture. The laundry wasn't working. When we talked to the landlord to fix the issue, he didn't respond up until like four days after and we needed to do the laundry. Yeah, so, that's yeah. Well, it's been a similar issue with me. Like I text my landlord a lot and well, I guess it's like two brothers that live here and their like dad owns the actual house. But um, like whenever I message about anything like it takes like maybe like actually sometimes I don't even get a reply like you'll see like my huge paragraphs and like no reply but like I'll hear them outside and stuff like that so yeah and do you think uh the village is affordable in your perspective um I do think it's affordable but I also recently just learned that it's like not legal to be living in a house with more than five people and sharing like a kitchen and a bathroom with them. So like, yeah, it is affordable, but is it really like ethical or are you just like, like just using this situation to your advantage? And and to clarify on that, you know, there, there, there are definitely, I think I think there are some regulations around how many people can be living in a house, especially with like a single family home, like what is considered a single family home. Um, but over the course of time, of course, uh, we've, we've seen, you know, roommate houses pop up and there have been bylaws to acknowledge that. And this is just a really good time to, to say that there is also a bylaw uh, that came about with the 2013 Harmonization Act that made it so that rooming houses are permitted. So if, if y'all are interested, you should go check that out. I just wanted to add that comment there. Hey, Rihanna, did you also wanted to add something? Yeah, my rooming house was illegal. It had 16 rooms. It had no living room because they made like every living area that they had into a bedroom. My room was not an actual room. You could see the crap just by the window, like where, because they put it on the frame. Like, I don't know why they wouldn't just move it over like a couple, like an inch more to not be on the frame of my window, but there was a crack into like my neighbor, my other roommate's room. There was over 20 people living in the house though, let alone being 16 rooms. Oh well, she just reminded me, my window has been broken since August 30th of last year. Um, it's been winter, it's been summer, it's been fall, it's been spring. My window does not fully close at all, like, like at all. You can ask, my boyfriend does not close. My window didn't uh, close yeah. either, it didn't turn, like, it closed, uh, but it did not lock in the winter. I mean, that's something that's even dangerous, you know? Like, what do you do in the winter? What do you do with a storm comes or anything? And, and most of these landowners don't even care. They don't. Yeah, I think, I think that, that, that is a huge problem, right? And, and, and the city <laughs> doesn't, doesn't seem to care either. There's very few resources to use that we can access. Yeah, and you know, this is uh, a very common issue that we've been seeing across different students' experiences yeah. in the village where uh, many landlords have just completely neglected the condition of the house uh, just because, uh, I guess it's in their eyes, as long as you're giving them rent, um, they really don't care about the quality of the house. And because there is such a high demand uh, for renting uh, these rooms in the village, uh, they almost have that certainty that there will always be someone else who's trying to look for a place. So I guess, I guess in their eyes, it's a kind of like a quick, easy money-making scheme. It's not really anything about the experience for the students and the accommodation.
So we would like to just move on and hear from Emmanuel. We haven't heard from him. Do you want to share a little bit about your experience? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. My experience so far, I've lived in the same spot for like three, four years. And it hasn't been bad because like uh, my landlord lives in the same the same place that I live in, right? And like I told Natty, like I, he lives in the same place that I live. So like he takes care of the house because like he's kind of like the caretaker and the landlord. You know how like girls, uh, like, you know, some people have like, you know, caretakers and they have like, people who, you know, manage the house or whatever. And you have a guy who owns the house. So he does both and he like, you know, you know does like, because he's kid, he doesn't live here by himself. He lives here with his, uh, child so he kind of like he has to take care of the house now the best he could and uh like the the space wise it's not it's not it's, it's like the price is worth the space i i guess because like you know i get what i pay for so like as for anything like when it comes to like you know having problems in the house he he has a tool in the house he has i guess he takes care of everything when he can and I don't have anything bad. Like, again, like, I'll be honest, it's like, like, people are talking, I know people talk a lot of, like, you know, negative things about their landlord. Like, he's one of those very few people, like, handful of people that I would, like, give recommendations to. And, um, yeah, like, because um, basically, yeah, there's, none, there's nothing bad. But, like, during this uh, COVID uh, period, uh, he actually, like, you know, brought in, like, some hand sanitizers, some, like, masks and stuff like that out in front of, like, you know, in front of the living room area space for people, like, mm-hmm. so that everyone can, like, and, and this, he brought two hand sanitizers, one in the kitchen and one in the, like, entrance, so, like, if you enter the house, you got, you have to put this hand sanitizer on your hands before you walk into the house, or in the kitchen, you have to use a hand sanitizer, and, you know, and he buys, some, sometimes he buys soap for everyone to use, you know, like, kid, like, and, you know, like, overall, like, you know, proper, proper landlord, what's it called, like, what's it you know? Um, yeah, other than that, that's it. I, I don't know nothing bad I can say about him. There's nothing, yeah. Wow, that's, that is really crazy. Um, like, it, it, what's crazy about it is that, like, because there's so many people, you know, living, like, in a house, uh, they actually kind of have to, like, implement that the exact same way grocery stores do, because, um, because people coming in and out so frequently, um, it's kind of true as a grocery store. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Which was smart of him too. And he like during the time too, he left. Like usually he lives. He like there's uh three floors, so like the and there's two people live in the basement. One person live in the first floor. Three, so technically I'm guessing like six people total in the house. And like that's like everyone gets their own room. I share a bathroom with my my neighbor and and stuff like that and so like, during the, the the COVID time he left the house so he was here because you know it was dangerous for him you know like I, I get it you know take care of yourself take care of your family and stuff like that but like he like he provided like you know like he didn't need to he brought like like eggs like like, like you know stuff like they have food for, for you like you know so you don't have to leave the house if you don't need to and it wasn't like he expected money back you know he hasn't act he hasn't texted anyone saying like it'll I'm deducting money from this, you know, you know, he hasn't said anything like that. So like, you know, like he did it out of his own, you know, I'm I'm hoping, you know, he hasn't said anything yet, but I'm hoping out of his own, you know, you know, set, like happiness or whatever that you can call it. But yeah, like I'm happy, like I'm, I'm, doesn't like, I just, as long as you don't, I, when I moved in, I, I didn't really sign the, uh, a lease at first. Like it was basically like an agreement. Like we just, like he came, he talked to me, 
he saw who I was. Like my friend found the house, he saw me, he saw who I was. And then we kind of, I signed an agreement, like a lease, but it wasn't like an official, like, hey, you have this, 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 after this, you have to re-sign the lease and, you know, pay. Like, it wasn't like something like that. Basically like, hey, this is my house. This, uh, you pay this certain amount a month or whatever, like or, like a proper basic lease, uh, nothing, nothing, no strings attached, you know, and like, the, the during the time during the the increase in rent or 2.7 or whatever the, he told me about it you know made me feel like a little bit confident it was sketchy at first because like I was like I wasn't I wasn't told about this increase but like he made he made made sure like you know like yeah like this is the reason why like you know electric bills are going up water bills are going up you know blah 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 like it's going up this this certain amount it's not that much it's within my budget for sure I was like I right, there's not there's nothing wrong and definitely like I hit like the room is not it's not a it's not a big house, it's not a big room, but it's comfortable for like at least one person, one or two people. But like uh like hearing people's uh like testimony regarding like where they live and like, you know, the the issues with the housing and stuff like that kinda like puts me in like in a in a perspective, like I like I humble myself, you know, like because you don't want like moving into like you think your housing situation is bad and then you move into a worse housing situation and you can't even get back to the original one, you know. Because like like he was Andrew was talking to saying before like you know the housing system here like there's there's so many people looking for housing so like there's a lot of customers out there so like it doesn't they don't give a like you know like if you like you know you know do like they don't because there's customers you know they, they want to make money you know so yeah that's kind of all I have to say about that. Yeah, and to touch on that, you know, with the amount of people living in one house, uh, and even with you know money of or like rent cost for being between six even to nine hundred dollars if you put that in perspective they're almost getting 11 grand uh, a month just yep. based off of people living there so when you really tally it up like hydro and everything it's still they're still making almost double maybe even like in this type of business you don't want to be in a situation where you're not making money so it doesn't matter what you got to do if you get a post string you got to tell this person hey you have to pay 50 dollars extra 50 dollars extra from from like um, brianna was saying like 20 of people living in something that in, in one house that's a lot of money you know like at the end of the day also like if you're licensed to do that that yeah we had the fire department come into our house one day and they told our landlords that if something wasn't done with the exit situation that they were going to have to evict all of us. And that was three months before I moved and nothing ever was, I don't know I know I've been back to the house to hang out with one of my old roommates that I went to high school with. I know for a fact, nothing's been changed. The house is the same. So like what happened with that? Why didn't the fire department follow up when there's one right down there? And there's a lot of houses that are like violating the laws with the fire exits and things like that. Some of them that are hazards that are still being run by and the landlords, like it's all about profit. Like sixteen rooms, I paid six fifty five for my room. My the girl upstairs that I went to high school with, she paid one thousand dollars for her room because it had a bathroom. So that's just one, and sixteen rooms in the house. So that's at least like that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a number that's almost not even worth speculating because it would be depressed. Like regardless of whatever mortgage rate you're. And they own two for, houses. It's just it's just an absolutely ridiculous like uh, amount, right? And and. To touch on it, like we, Andrew, he, he at some point was paying an absurd amount and he, he was forced almost to move out of his place. Um, and he, he did you want to yeah, touch on it? Yeah, yeah, I guess I'll touch on it quick. I mean, yeah, like this place had, you know, 17 people, you know, I guess the normal amount in the village at this point, we speculate. 
Um, but I, I had the master room. I had like walk-in closet, uh, personal bathroom. I had like the whole setup. But uh, when it came to January uh, and I talked about, you know, potentially renewing my lease, they said, well, unless you have $400 more, you're not going to be able to. And I was already paying like $1,000 for the room cost just because I needed that privacy. Because, you know, again, you know what a house of 17 is like. And, uh, yeah, I was basically forced, uh, not forced per se, but I guess just kind of shoved out for not having enough money. And, and there, there, there's, there's been more stories than that. I remember he was actually forced evicted for one of those very fire concerns that you mentioned, uh, Brianna. So it, it is a problem. And the, the, the fire department, they, they don't seem to follow up, uh, I, I guess, enough based on our experience. And when they do, it's ad hoc. And the people who actually bear the burden of that or the brunt of whatever actions they choose to take are the tenants. And the landlords just say, get out. Yeah. And, 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 or at least they give you a warning, right? And they let you know, like, hey, if, if we don't meet this code or if we make these changes or whatever it is, something that gives us a reason to increase the rent, then you can leave, right? And that's that's what it ends up always being. To, for, to touch also on that 2.2% or 2.7% rent increase that you uh, mentioned earlier, Brianna, it, it is completely legal, but they have to be able to justify it, right? And that these, these are the kinds of things that they do to justify it, especially as uh, like landlords, private landlords in the village. Perfect. So now that we've identified some common issues, Rikia, would you be able to tell us about possible solutions you would like to see in the village? Um, yeah, sure. Um, one thing I would say is security. I feel like the York Village is a place where there are a lot of students and it's very close to York University. And I don't understand why this is a student community and students don't feel safe around. So one thing I would like to recommend is, I don't know what it's called, but there's a um, emergency like button around the school, uh, York and other schools. If that would be around like in the village, that would be really helpful. So in case like you're working at night and you can just press the button and someone can help you or something like that. I feel like that's one of the solutions I would say. Uh, I, I think that's the only thing I have right now. But yeah, definitely that. And do any of you feel like the university should be more involved in the issue? Yeah, for sure. I think so. I think they should um, be involved because students pay their tuition and this is a community where people move away from their family to stay closer to home. So it's easy for them to like go to school. So I feel like the school should kind of be involved in terms of security. Yeah, especially because there's a lot of international students who come to this country only to go to York University. Yeah, so, definitely. Brianna, do you have anything to add? Security is a big thing for everybody in the village. Everybody's either had, has had at least one negative experience, I feel, whether it had been in their own home or out on the streets. Like, even the landlords with my lock on my, the front of the house, like, the front door was broken for a long period of time. And there was an instance where my kitchen roommate, the room that was off in the kitchen, one of his friends entered my room while I was sleeping. 
and my door is just like a simple bedroom lock that I lock so I don't even know what happened there the front door like people just walk in it like another person said I can't remember her name but they're just walking in and out of houses like they don't have any and there's some houses are good they have cameras and they are they're wary of that like they don't want people in and out of their house like that but with 16 rooms in the house everyone's gonna have a couple friends over here and there and they had this dumb rule that we weren't allowed to have anybody over but everyone broke that rule anyway so the whole house was just a big conflict with no security and random people everywhere i actually have a similar story as well with my neighbor like my door downstairs because so many people walk into my house all the time it like is barely locked and this one night um i was actually just chilling in my room and um i don't know if i've mentioned like my house is usually loud because like everybody's usually playing their own music everybody's just playing their music louder to drown out everybody else's music and my window's actually right across from um the house beside me and there was like one night where um my boyfriend and i were just like sitting here chilling and um my neighbor from the next door actually walked into my house came upstairs knocked on my door and like basically told me that i need to like keep it down or whatever like because he thought that i was the one that was like being loud just because my window was like right across from his so he actually like knocked on my door and like we were just like really confused because like how can somebody just be able to walk into my house know where i live and knock on my door like it's not like this is like a house where like it's my kitchen like there's just one room so if you're knocking on my door like that's a whole issue we're, we're talking about like you know just your neighbor having a problem with you and going in and just walking into your house right i, I live in the same house uh with Santo and rekia uh and we also have very very similar problems i mean i wouldn't say similar problems but accessibility into our house is, is is not at all secure it's not at all safe if somebody moves out for example maybe i would recommend changing the code just as a security feature for the house uh if there are individuals who were particularly problematic uh in the home in my experience right again changing that code is is like a basic really easy thing to do um and or making sure that the lock works it, it might be like a hundred bucks but again if you have 16 people in your house or if you have 10 people in your house if you have eight people in your house right and you're charging them whatever five fifty or a thousand dollars sometimes even fourteen hundred dollars sometimes even as high as seventeen hundred dollars a month i don't understand how that can't can't be fixed right and i think that's yeah it's a basic security feature even when i had a restraining order with my ex-boyfriend and had like police saying that i needed to be like basically the police telling my landlords that they just needed to change the code on the door the police came to the house so while the landlord was there when after this altercation happened he just happened to be there when all this was happening and they told him to his face it was it's recommended that you change the code on the door did he absolutely not and that was my safety because my ex had a key to my door and there was nothing i could do about that i can't move and they also refused to change my locks unless i paid like an absurd amount to change a bedroom door like a simple lock yeah, I mean, well, uh, that's really, really difficult to hear. And I mean, I guess what your situation was, it was too uncomfortable for you to even be in your own house, right? I, mean. well, I worked so much just to get out of the house. And then I actually, the crossing guard job, at the time I was 17, and they 
did not check my criminal record. They did not know I was 17 because I'm more mature than a lot of people just think I'm 18. So they showed up to me and they laid me off on the spot because I was 17. And they told me to call them back when I turned 18. So then I was also out of income for the apartment that I was just looking at. So I ended up getting a different job and getting out of the village, thank goodness. But yeah, it was a really, I was at a standstill at that point because my safety was jeopardized. I didn't like to be at home. I chose to be at friends' houses or just be elsewhere. All because my landlord couldn't change. It doesn't cost money to change the code. I understand changing the lock, that takes some time. But either way, like, it was frustrating. Yeah, I totally understand you. No, I get you. So, Somto, just a quick question for you. Yeah. Do you have any advice for the villagers or any people who want to live in the village? How can they make their experience better? Stay, stay, stay strong, stay happy. And I feel um, very, very cliche quotes one thing, but then the people, I feel the people actually make the place you live in still, regardless of whichever place you live in. So I would advise, which is why actually I went my first year here, I was I was quite alone, especially because my brothers weren't in the country yet. So every single one of my friends that were looking for universities or was looking forward to school, I would actually suggest Canada to them just because I would want them to come here so I would be here alone. So um I would actually advise if 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 you end up or anybody that ends up coming to the village, don't be bullied because a lot of people are landlords like we just talked about to try to like we try to like cut you short and take your money and like just be smart stay sharp come with your friends and find a friend friends and support system if you can no no thank you so much so i actually um i did have one last i think question for everybody in just we're talking about like what you could recommend for the villagers and or solutions and reiki touched on it and something just touched on it but i kind of wanted to hear personally you know for me what, what, what do you guys think we can do what are things that we could recommend to villagers and i think i'll start with britannia I feel like there's a lot, like, but um, for villagers, I think definitely just, like, if you can, just try and do your research when it comes to, like, looking for a place. Um, I personally think that with, like, how, like, common it's become for, like, York University students to live in, like, housing in the village like there should be some sort of like protection when it comes to like where we live like I feel like we just like live in people's houses at this point like there's no protection like there's a whole there's a whole tenancy act for when it comes to actually like renting a place when the landlord has a license but it just like seems really careless that like we are students like most of us are coming out of our parents' homes. Like most of us have like zero experience, um, like actually renting a space and actually um, knowing what our rights are. And I feel like this is just like they say that, um, like you, like university and like university housing is supposed to basically like like a leg up when it comes to like going out into the world. But I feel like this is not a very positive way to introduce us into this world because we are not we're not protected. It's it might be affordable, but it's not very ethical 
like I don't think it really gives a positive like it doesn't give a positive lesson to people who are trying to go out into the world it's just holding all of us back to be honest like we have no choice at this point I, I completely agree in in environmental studies and in qualitative and quantitative research you know there's like this understanding that things are really extractive and it just seems to really take and that's I think what is at the core of activism and advocacy is trying to make sure that there are things in place to make sure that you know they don't extract too much at least right or or just end up taking to the point where th there's no benefit or any good that comes out of it so I mean thank you so much for your response um and then Reikia what do you think yeah I think awareness is really important I feel like a lot of people don't talk about it it's just like we hear from like our friends like personal like whatever we've been through we don't really talk about it and I feel like um, York University should um, create awareness, not only York University. There should just be like posters around, or I don't know, just something that will just, um, you know, if there's awareness, then people would be, people would be more aware that, oh, okay, they shouldn't be armed to students and there are going to be consequences for their actions. And I know there was a situation that was like a stabbing at car park. And I feel like that situation could have been avoided if she had someone to like, you know, if no one found her, something bad would have happened, like she wouldn't have been alive. So I feel like there should definitely be awareness and the school should take precautions and stuff like that and talk to like community police. I don't know, just awareness, I would say in general. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And I think that's one of the big things that we do with YVHA or that we're trying to do at least. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we try to do it at York and we try to do it in the village and, and it, it works, right? When we do bring it up and people really respond well. And Sansa, what about you? What do you think? One thing that could actually be done in the village and like to to rack at everybody's points, awareness and security, York should actually take responsibility and start to take more responsibility for this village, which is right next to them and basically named after them. And like they technically also own some property and already have some responsibility in it. And I feel like if they invest more in it, they could actually find a way to make money and make everybody happy at the same time. But then like, yeah. No, no, absolutely. And actually, you're touching on how, like, you know, they, it's named after it, York University Heights. On June 25th, we'll be joined by three different professors, and they'll actually talk about what that naming process entailed, like what it did to symbolically almost extract, again, from the broader Jane Finch community. So you, that was a really, really good point to touch on that. And um, sorry, Emmanuel, Emmanuel, you were going to say something. I, I apologize. No, 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 it's all good. It's all good. I thought I had, like, it was a question towards me. Like, my bad. I want to see in the village, like to be honest, I like a lot more, a lot more like community stuff, you know. Like I guess, like I guess it's coming, like you know, like, like you know, like buildings, are, like people are making more buildings and stuff around us and stuff like that. Like I mean, like more like basketball courts and stuff like where you can like go and shoot around because like the the closest basketball court that we have right now is nowhere near us, like outside basketball court, like all the way in the like inside the village and stuff like that, so, like. That, that you know, little things like you know protection like you know having more security for people who like who are like you know, don't feel safe in the village like i like i understand why like sometimes i like I, i'm outside my house i'm just chilling and just minding my business and like you know i see people walking down the street and like, you know they switch lanes they switch to a different like the, the different side of the street because like you know because like they feel they don't feel safe or whatever they don't feel like you know it's there like you know people have different way of you know they they've They've experienced the village, so I don't judge them based on that. So, a way to find find a way to make people uh, people feel more more safe, more you know, more easy to just walk back to their home, like after work and stuff like that. That would be that would be nice. I wanted to add like another thing. 
you know, when we're talking about like police and security and maybe uh, erecting like those, those like emergency phone lines and the question about like who to go to, I think is, is a really big problem in, in the village, right? And I think when you go to like York University and you want to ask for help, there's a certain response, right? Increased security cameras or the security guards at the end of the parking lot in the case of the incident that happened at the end of Leech Street um, that Rekia mentioned uh, with the stabbing. So what, what, what we see when you go reach out to police too is increased surveillance, more police officers in the area. And I'm not speaking on behalf of anybody, but me personally, I think it doesn't add to a sense of security. It adds to a sense of scrutiny and it adds to a sense of, uh, uh, you know, being watched and being very closely monitored. And I think, I think that that adds a different layer of insecurity for, for at least many people, right? And when we're talking about, you know, the police, you can also consider anti-black racism. Um, that's extremely prevalent right now in, in the media. And just, I think it's representative of a different issue, something bigger, something different. Um, and I think we'll be able to touch on that a little bit later. And, cool. I, and I, think, I think the last, um, last person is Brianna. I know you no longer live in the village, but what's something that you would like to see that would maybe make you come back? Uh, I want people to be way more educated on their rights. Being young people out on their own for the first time, like uh, she said, coming out of parents' homes. Like, different situations for everybody. A lot of us don't know anything about what we're allowed, what we're signing into. Like, I know a lot of my friends, personally, they're young. They signed leases and stuff that they had. Some of the rules and stuff weren't even stated. Like, certain things I had to tell them that, your landlord can't do that so definitely like youth and stuff and people just people young adults need to be more educated on their right everybody does but in the village with the housing association and stuff just the education on the rights is a solution for it the security the school you're i'm not even a student at york university but the school should have a lot more involvement when a, a lot of their students live in the village more so students living in the village than i think on campus in those buildings especially with the amount of like rooms and stuff that are going through the houses everyone that is in the village is most likely there for york university and i think the housing association is going to help kind of bring more knowledge to that yeah absolutely i think i think that is the key thing that we're trying to do and we're trying to do it with the registry too right yeah and we've on we have YVHA I mean all of us do believe that education is one of the best ways to kind of like you know uh, have people aware of their rights on the LTB and you know just be aware of the predatory landlords that exist out there because again every year there are new victims right and you know that's our goal here we want to end that yeah, exactly All right, folks. So unfortunately, that's our time for today. Uh, but we would really like to thank all of you for taking the time and joining us today here uh, and sharing your experience with us. It was really great. We really learned a lot. Thank you all for making this possible. And we really enjoyed our time today here. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no problem, bro. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Bye. Bye, everyone. Just to clarify, we are not legal professionals. We are raising awareness about a salient issue and we are providing a space where we can talk about common issues. If you wanna learn more about your rights as a tenant, you can go to our website, yvha.ca, or you could go to the Ontario government page, 
the Landlord Tenant Board Tribunal page or the Federation of Metropolitan Tenant Association Toronto page. If you also want to learn more about students and multi-tenant housing, you could visit York University's website where they have a section on that, or you could visit the City of Toronto website as well. So if you want to learn a little bit more about the Village and our association, please feel free to visit our website, yvha.ca. If you have any questions, inquiries, or story, email us at yorkvillagehousing at gmail.com. If you live in the village and you want to join our private Facebook group, please feel free to do so. It's York Village Housing Association. And lastly, if you could please provide us or would you like to provide us information about your home for a registry real building, please feel free to uh, find it at our website. And I think the last thing maybe we wanted to do is do a quick uh, analysis and just look back um, at some of the things that people said. Uh, and make some comments. I, I was speaking earlier about the notion of safety and the role of police. Um, and I think two or three people mentioned, I know Reiki have touched on it, and I think Sampo touched on it, um, but York University's involvement in the rooming housing and or multi-tenant housing in the village. There's been like almost a serious divestment by York University. I mentioned in another episode that they, they removed the information page about the village on their website. But I think one of the things that they do need to do is at least acknowledge um, as Brianna said, she believes that the majority of people that attend York University actually live in a village. I don't think that number is actually representative of, of the actual number, but I think it says and dignifies and merits a response from the university to at least like, you know, see what's happening in the village and to not just go ahead and enforce traditional security measures, especially considering current events, but to actually, you know, talk to villagers and maybe see alternative practices and speak to everyone, not just um, you know, certain individuals, right? And and really, really extend the effort and pay for it, right? Like that's that's the least they can do because students are paying for it out of their pocket to live there and they're paying for it in their sense of security and their well-being. Um, and only some are, are, are benefiting and, and able to have a good experience, right? And I like to think that I'm one of them, but I also have some extremely challenging negative experiences um, that, that, that kind of defined my experience in the village. Yeah, and the guests, you know, they raised a lot of good points today. Um, and it's interesting to see the amount of common issues. Again, the, you know, uh, overpopulated multi-tenant houses, in addition to precarious living standards with bed bugs, and also the subject at hand with the international versus domestic student treatment. And we see a lot of this uh, malfeasance happening across different parts of the village. And it's most commonly uh, associated with the problems, uh, the, the problems with just general housing uh, standards. Uh, some of the conditions are terrible and they fabricate leases. Uh, a, a lot of really good points were raised today. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think finally, just I'm going to tag on one more thing. I know we're going off a little bit, but I think solutions to that would definitely be looking at the municipality, the city of Toronto to also take some action, uh, maybe you know, making sure that rooming houses are permitted in the village to give people 100% footing um, and making sure that everybody is aware of that. Making sure that they reach out to students when there's uh, consultations on rooming houses, uh, making sure that that's accessible for not just the landlords, but for the actual people who live in those houses and maybe even potentially, and I think this is to the discretion of, you know, the people who actually live there again, um, but trying to find a way to re-regulate or, or enforce municipal licensing standards. Um, to make sure that, you know, what rooming houses are there are at least up to fire code. And if not, 
uh, up to a different code or bylaw standards and 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 to give people uh, another sense of security right so on a final note you know there were a lot of spoken uh, perceptions and perspectives on the different experiences at the village but most of them were negative and you know despite the housing situation being quite precarious in the village there is still a lot of potential and it brings people together across you know very di various different race gender and different student and alumni associations so despite many of the comments today in the Paris living standards it's still a great place to live yeah, so thank you so much, Javier and Claudia. Really, really appreciate y'all joining us on today's podcast and hosting a huge part of YVHA. Uh, you really, really make it possible. And, and, you know, what you guys have shown us, taught us, the people you've introduced us to, um, you know, and, and the work y'all do individually. I'm, I'm excited to see what, what comes ahead of you for your careers. I'm also looking forward to, to what comes ahead with YVHA and, and the next year moving forward. So really, really appreciate you guys taking the time to do this for us. Thank you for joining in today. I'm Andrew. This is Natty. And this is Lavelle. Have a good one, guys.